If you haven't already done so, turn your Bibles to that passage in Acts chapter 2. should be familiar by now. Uh, it's the passage we've been uh, looking at for the last uh, several weeks. And it's a passage in which uh, Luke gives us a, a fourfold description of the early church. After the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches this sermon and some 3,000 come to faith, he tells us that this new fellowship of believers is, is marked by a devotion to the apostles' teaching, by a, a devotion to the fellowship, by a devotion to the breaking of bread, and by a devotion to the prayers. And in, at the end of a week like this, I think it is especially helpful to us to, to see this glimpse of the early church. It's been quite a week. We, we had the election on Tuesday, and then we waited, and we waited, and we waited. Some anxiously, some confidently. And when the results were finally announced... Some breathed a sigh of relief, and others groaned. And but regardless of what your hopes were for the election, and regardless of what your fears are for what may now come, we recognize that what we are called to, as those who are first and foremost disciples of the Lord, doesn't change. It doesn't change regardless of who is in the White House. It doesn't change regardless of who controls the House or who controls the Senate. What we are called to is to live as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in these verses, Luke gives us a glimpse of what that looks like. He gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to be a fellowship of believers. Because as a fellowship of believers, regardless of where we live, regardless of the authorities that we live under, our devotion remains the same. Our devotion is to the Lord and to His kingdom. And that devotion is expressed in at least these four ways. A, a, a commitment, a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to not only knowing it, but to, to living it out. A devotion to the fellowship, to, to caring for one another, both, both physically, materially, and spiritually. A devotion to the breaking of bread, to the rather regular gathering together of worship. And today, as we will see, to a devotion to the prayers. And it's really that fourth devotion that I want us to focus on this morning. What does it mean to say that this, uh, this fellowship of believers was devoted to the prayers? And I think we have to, again, as we've done with the other devotions, we, we've had to, we have to recognize that it is the prayers. They, there's an article here. It's not just that they are devoted to praying. They were certainly devoted to praying. But they were devoted to the prayers. And, and that uh, is, probably is a reference to the, the regular hours of prayer that faithful Jews observed. They, they were committed to regularly pausing throughout their day to offer up their prayers to the Lord. And I want us to, to think about that devotion. I want us to think about it because it's a devotion that we actually see in the very next chapter. Peter and John, as they are going into the temple at the hour of prayer, encounter a lame man. But they were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Why were they going? What was that devotion about? We, we know that they no longer observed the, the sacrifices that were being offered in the temple. 
Because that entire sacrificial system had been fulfilled in Christ. All that the Old Testament sacrifices pointed towards had now been ultimately fulfilled in Jesus' sacrifice of himself. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He was the Lamb of God who, who dealt with our sins. He was the Lamb of God who accomplished atonement. He was the Lamb of God who, who propitiated God's wrath, turning it away by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. And so those sacrifices were, were no longer necessary. In fact, to continue offering up those sacrifices would have been to, to cast aspersions upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, the once and for all sacrifice that accomplished our salvation. And yet, while they were no longer participating in the sacrifices of the temple, nevertheless, they were continuing to devote themselves to the regular hours of prayer. And I want us to ask two questions about that. First, what is the, the significance of their devotion to prayer? And then second, what is, their, what is the significance of their devotion to, to the regular hours of prayer? So let's begin just with, with prayer. Why is it significant that these first believers were devoted to prayer? And I, and I think we can get at an answer to that question by considering what prayer is. Prayer is an expression of humble yet confident dependence upon God for all things necessary for life and godliness. It is a, a humble yet confident expression of dependence upon God for all things, whatever is necessary for life and godliness. It's, it's humble because we recognize that we are not coming to God with any demands. He is, he is under no obligation. He is in no way in our debt. We, we don't come to God demanding wages for, for work performed. We don't come to God demanding that he deliver the goods that we have uh, rightly paid for. We come to God humbly, acknowledging that we are asking only grace, that we are asking only for gifts undeserved. So it is a humble expression because we are coming to one upon whom we have no claim. We are coming to one who owes us nothing. And yet we don't come cowering or, or, or doubtful. We, we come confidently. We come confidently. We, we come boldly. We come knowing that it is his good pleasure to give us all good things because he has said so, and because he has demonstrated his commitment to us, he has demonstrated his love for us in giving his son, Jesus Christ. He has made a way for us to come into his throne room. He has made a way for us to cast all of our cares and concerns before him. He opened the door through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And so while we have no claim on him, he has bound himself to us by his own word, by his own promise, by his own oath. And so we come before God confidently as one coming to their father, coming to one who delights to give good gifts to his children, coming to, to one who has promised us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Coming to one who always keeps his promises. And so yes, we, we come humbly asking only grace, but we come boldly asking whatever we need. Asking whatever it is that is necessary for, for life and godliness. 
And of course, what is it that's necessary for life and godliness? It's everything. We have nothing on our own. That's why it is an expression of dependence. Because we need God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. What we have no hope of doing on our own. Think again how Paul described the Ephesians. He he said that when they were far off, when they were cut off from Christ, they were without God. And therefore, because they were without God, they were without hope. All of our hope is rooted in him. All of our hope is grounded in that he has committed himself to us. And so we come to God utterly dependent upon him for all that we need for life and godliness. And so therefore, prayer as this this humble yet confident expression of dependence is vital to the Christian life. It's it's exactly what Sam was trying to illustrate for the children. It is through prayer, it is through this humble yet confident expression of dependence that we plug into, if you'll allow that metaphor, that we plug into the immeasurable power of God that is at work in those who believe. It, it It is through prayer that we appropriate all that He has promised to be for us. You've probably had an experience like Sam was illustrating for the children, an experience where you were frustrated with some some electronic device that just wouldn't work, only to discover that it actually wasn't plugged in. I actually had this experience not too long ago on Wednesday night as I was trying to get things set up to to, uh, Zoom the, the Wednesday night class and I couldn't figure out why my computer wouldn't connect to the TV and why it wouldn't recognize it as a second monitor. I checked all the settings and I checked all the connections and everything seemed right. And then Sam said, you know, I don't think it's plugged in. And suddenly I realized, oh, that's why it won't recognize it. We, we, we've had that experience. We, we know what it's like. And, and prayer, while it's a, a crass illustration, prayer is, is something like that. It is as we come before God in, in humble, yet, yet confident dependence, that he works his power in and through us. That we might do those things that he has given us to do. And so we need to be people of prayer. At times of, of vulnerability, when we are, when we are uh, keenly aware of, of how weak and, and, and fragile we actually are, whether it be a disease that threatens us, whether, whether it be a, an economy that might crumble and that has taken away our, our uh, employment, whether it, it be a government that we fear is going to, to work against us, whatever it be, maybe it's even our own sin that, that seeks to undermine us. When we know our vulnerability, when we know our weakness, we must come to God in prayer. We must come to Him entrusting ourselves to the One who is our mighty fortress. We must ask Him to to protect us and to, to, to empower us that we might continue to do those good works that He has prepared in advance for us to do, regardless of the opposition that stands against us. When we lack the the resources to to accomplish what we think he's given us to do. Again, whether those be material resources or whether those be spiritual resources. Maybe it even be our own resolve. Maybe our, our will has grown weak. Maybe we are just simply tired and we want to give up. But when we lack the resources to do that which He's given us to do, when our, when our strength is, is flagging, we must go to Him in prayer. 
seeking that which we need for life and godliness because it is in that humble yet, yet confident expression of dependence that he gives us what we need. In times of, of confusion, when we simply don't know what we ought to do next, when we don't know the direction that we ought to go, when we don't know how to, to love that particular neighbor, when we don't know what is, is wise in this particular situation, again, we must go to Him seeking His wisdom because it's as we come to Him in prayer that He gives us the wisdom to take the next step towards His glory and towards the good of His people. But it's not just in, in times of crisis. It's not just in those times when we are, are, are most aware of our needs. It's, it's actually also in those times of ease and, and plenty when, when things seem to be going quite smoothly, when things seem to be going quite well, that we, we need to go to Him in prayer, asking Him to, to, to keep our focus where it ought to be. Because in times of plenty, in times of ease, when there are no immediate consequences to our unfaithfulness, it is easy for us to drift. It is, it is easy for our first love to grow cold. It is easy for us to, to begin to neglect our, our first calling and, and just sort of do what we want to do for a time. And especially in those times of ease, in those, those times of plenty, we need to go to God. We need to ask Him to, to keep our vision sharp, to, to recognize what is truly important, to keep our priorities in order, and to strengthen us, even in the midst of the ease, to continue applying ourselves diligently to the task that He has placed before us. Because it is through prayer, it is through this humble yet, yet confident expression of dependence, that all His immeasurable power works in and through us to the praise of His glory. In all situations, we must pray. Those who are devoted to the Lord, those who would honor Him as Lord in the, the course of their daily lives, they must pray because you cannot honor your devotion to the Lord on your own. You honor your devotion to the Lord only as He empowers you, only as He strengthens you, only as He works in you to will and to do that which is to His good pleasure. And God works through our prayers. Yes, it's mysterious. Yes, yes God uh, works sovereignly. He, he's not bound by our prayer life. And yet God in His mysterious wisdom has made prayer a real means of grace, a real means by which He works grace into our lives that we might do that which He has prepared in advance for us to do. And therefore, prayer must be our devotion. And if prayer is our devotion, it is something that we will do regularly. And that is what, why we see them not committed, not committed only to prayer, but committed to hours of prayer, committed to these, these regular intervals where they would stop to pray. It's important for us, I think, to, to recognize that as human beings, if we want to do something regularly, if we want to do something faithfully, we have to plan to do it regularly. We, we have to plan to do it Faithfully. You, you recognize this in other areas of your life. If there's something that you want to do, and you want to do it consistently, you want to do it regularly, there has to be a discipline there. 
we, we, we recognize that automatically. If we want to eat a more healthy diet, it doesn't just happen. If we want to exercise, it doesn't just happen. If we want to get to bed on time, it doesn't just happen. If we want to read more, it doesn't just happen. We, we actually have to plan. We have to make a decision. We have to devote ourselves to these things. And it is no different with prayer. We, we all know the, the tyranny of the urgent. If you do not have a plan, you will do whatever the next urgent thing is. Not necessarily the next best thing. Not necessarily the, most, the, the next most needful thing. And so if we want our lives to, to be shaped by prayer, if we want our lives to be undergirded by, by prayer, we must plan for them to be undergirded by prayer. We must plan to weave prayer into the very fabric of our daily routine. Now we can go wrong at this point. Because we can think that there's one particular routine that we have to follow, or we have to think that we have to, to follow it in, in some rigid way. There are some of us who, who like to have a, a very rigid routine and we need to follow it quite precisely. There are others who, who chafe against that and, and will never uh, follow a routine in that way. That is part of your own divine design. You need to know yourself. Do not let anyone tell you that, that, that it has to be this routine or that it has to be followed this way precisely. That, that's not at all what, what Luke is getting at. He doesn't even tell us what the regular hours of prayer were that the, the first Christians were following. And throughout the history of the church, Christians have followed all sorts of different routines. There were some early on who prayed every three hours. And if you just follow that out, one of those prayer times is at 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm not doing that. There ain't no way. And others said, well, you know, we're not going to pray every three hours, but we're going we're to pray morning, noon, and night. This is the routine that I'm going to follow. Others have, have said simply that they're going to pray morning and evening. They're going to begin and end their days with, with prayer. Recently, I have found it helpful to, to follow a, a pattern where I think really about just the sections of my day. As I get up in the morning, I want to pray for my morning. I want to, to pray that this, this morning God would enable me to do those things that He has given me to do, that He would strengthen me to do them well, that He would strengthen me to do them with wisdom and with, with love for His people and with, with love for His, His glory. Whatever it is that happens to be on my schedule that morning. And then as I, I take a break in the afternoon, whether that be at 11 or whether that be at 1, it doesn't really matter. But as I, as I break in the middle of the day for lunch, according to the, my schedule that day, I want to pray for the afternoon. I want to ask God to be with me this afternoon, that, that he would strengthen me to do that which he's given me to do in this particular afternoon. And then as evening comes, as I come to the end of the workday and I'm transitioning from, from being in my office and being in my study or being with people to, to being with my family, I want to pray for the evening. I want to pray that God would bless that time, that he would allow that time to be fruitful, that he would allow that time to be good family time together. And then at the end of the day, right before we're going to bed, Thank him for the day and ask for rest that evening that we might again honor him in the day to come. This is a, a rhythm that I have found helpful. Morning, afternoon, evening, praying for those sections of my day. But again, the point is not that there's one particular schedule that we are to commit to. The point is that, is that we are to commit, we are to devote ourselves to praying regularly. Not that at precisely 5 a.m. or precisely 7 a.m. or precisely whatever other time that we're going to stop and we're going to pray. It doesn't work that way. My, my schedule changes almost every day depending on who I'm meeting with and what I have to do. 
And yet, I want to commit to regular hours of prayer. Going before God in an expression of humble yet, yet confident dependence. Asking Him for all that I need for life and godliness in the next portion of my day. This is the commitment that we must make. But of course, as we make this commitment, as we, as we think about praying, as we, we think about praying regularly, it's important to also know what it is we are to be praying for. And of course, in this text, uh, Luke doesn't tell us the, the content of their prayers, but we, we do know that they were committed to the apostles' teaching. And we do know that the apostles had been taught how to pray by Jesus himself. And so we can assume that as they gathered for these regular hours of prayer, they were praying as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And that is significant. Because again, prayer is an expression of, of humble yet confident dependence upon God for all things necessary for life and godliness. Prayer is not a way where we manipulate God into giving us what we want. Prayer is not a way in which we get God on board with our agenda. Prayer is, is not a way where we force God to do uh, our will. But in prayer, we come before Him submitting ourselves to His will and asking what we will need to do that which He's given us to do. It's exactly what we see in the, the Lord's Prayer, which might better be called the Disciples' Prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus gives to His disciples. This is how His disciples ought to pray. They ought to come to Him, acknowledging Him to be their Father in Heaven. The Lord's Prayer begins with an invocation. It begins with a naming. It begins with a, a remembering of who this God is that we come to. He is our Father. Our Father who has demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A Father who has demonstrated that, that He is for us. And He is our Father in heaven. The Father of all power. The Father who can do whatever good He deems to do for His children. And so when you pray, you must come before your Father in heaven. You must remember the one before whom you bow. You must remember the, the one whose throne you approach. You come to your Father in heaven. And you come asking for the glory of His name. And for the glory of His kingdom. And for the doing of His will. When we pray, we come, come before God saying, not my will, but yours be done. This is where prayer begins. Submitting our wills to His. And, and that seems like such a great sacrifice to our, to our modern minds. We, we think that, that our happiness depends upon us doing our own thing, doing what's right in our own eyes, fulfilling our, our own desires. But I want to suggest to you that that, that idea of, of, of putting His name and His kingdom and His will ahead of your own is an act of faith which acknowledges that what He has for us is better. That when we lean on our own understanding, it leads not to flourishing, but to frustration and death. When we go our own way, it does not lead us where we want to go. That He has set before us the path of life. That He has set before us the path of, of righteousness. That He is leading us towards true and full 
flourishing. And so when we come before God, we are remembering that we are coming not to have our desires fulfilled. We are coming not to have our will done, but to submit our wills to his because we trust him. Not as some great act of self-sacrifice, but as an as a act of faith, acknowledging that his ways are better. And so we come before him asking for the glory of his name, his kingdom, and his will, and then asking for all things we need. To pursue that end. Asking for the, the physical resources, our daily bread. What are, the, what are the material, physical resources that you will need to do what he has given you to do? Ask. Ask for, for the resources that you need. He will give you what you need. If he withholds, it is only because at this moment you don't need it to do what he has called you to do. And so ask boldly for, for what you need, knowing that your Father delights to give good gifts to His children. But ask not only for the, for the material resources you need, ask also for the spiritual resources you need. First of all, forgiveness. Your relationship with Him needs to be right. You need to be in, 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 uh, not under His fatherly displeasure because you are rebelling against Him, but you need to... Ask for forgiveness for the past sins that, that come as a, a separation between you and you need that relationship to be restored that in the full assurance of his love you might move forward in power. We have been justified once and for all in Christ but daily we, we, we settle our accounts with our Father and renew our devotion to walk as his faithful and obedient children. Jesus teaches us to do that in daily prayer. Not only do we pray for forgiveness, but we also pray for protection. That he would not allow us to enter into temptation. That he would, he would protect us from the schemes of the evil one. That he would protect us from the lures of the world. That he would protect us even from the temptations of our own flesh. That we might stand against temptation and walk in the way of holiness. That's what God that's what, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we can trust that is how the apostles taught these first Christians to pray. They are, they are praying kingdom prayers. They are praying prayers focused upon God's name and his, his kingdom and his, his will. And they are asking for whatever they need to run the race that has been marked out for them. I'm sure there were times when they used the actual words and there were, there were times when they used simply the, the basic outline or content of the, of the prayer. It is the same for us. You can use the words themselves. You can use the, the, the basic content. But, but in one way or the other, we must pray regularly, Father, your will be done. Now give me all that I need that I might be an instrument of that will. Today, in this this morning, this, this afternoon, this, this evening, at work, at play, with my family, wherever it is that you have me, strengthen me. Give me what I need that I might honor Jesus Christ as Lord, that I might walk in Him faithfully, that I might follow Him as a disciple ought to walk. This was the devotion of the early church. They were devoted to prayer because they were devoted to their Lord. 
They were devoted to honoring him, and therefore they were devoted to depending on him for all that they needed to show that honor. And so what do you do this morning if you find prayer difficult? What do you, what do, you do this morning if this has been a struggle all your life? And, and chances are good that is your story. If you talk to Christians, you, you will talk to people who struggle with prayer. You will talk to people who, who acknowledge that their prayer lives is, are not what they ought to be. People who, who have consistently and, and repeatedly fallen short of the, the plans that they have set. People who have devoted themselves to hours and then failed to keep them. And so if that is where you find yourself this morning, what do you do? My answer is not any great mystery. My answer is simply what Luke tells us. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to, to prayer. To, to some, that sounds like works righteousness. Don't, don't you have a better grace answer than that? It's not works righteousness. Devote yourself to prayer. As one devoted to the Lord, devote yourself to prayer, remembering that, that devotion is not mastery. But if you want to follow the Lord, if that is the desire of your heart, devote yourself to prayer. And when you fall short, which you will, devote yourself again. Renew your devotion. Renew your devotion to, to pray. Recognize that, that, a, that a failure to pray has, has weakened you and, and, and set you off course. And, and thank God for, for drawing your attention to it. Thank, you, thank Him for convicting you of your sin. And renew your devotion to pray, humbly asking Him for the strength to keep your resolve. I'm always, uh, I always marvel that Paul prayed for the Thessalonians that God would grant to them the strength to keep their resolves for good. May we pray that for ourselves. May we pray that for, for one another as we devote ourselves to prayer. Because we must renew our devotion again and again. It's, it's simply part of what it means to be human. If you, if you want to learn something, you, you, you practice it. We know this in music. We, we know this in physical exercise. We know this in, in writing. I, I saw a, a blog recently where someone said, if you want to be a writer, write. If you want to be a writer, start writing 500 words a day. The only way to learn. The 500 words you write today probably won't be worth much. They will probably never get published. And the 500 words you write tomorrow probably won't be much better. But if you devote yourself to writing, you can learn to write. And if we devote ourselves to prayer, we can learn to pray. We can learn to become people of prayer. People who, who punctuate our days with prayer. Punctuate our days with a humble yet confident dependence upon the Lord for all that we need for life and godliness. And because God has given us the gift of prayer, because he has made it possible for us to pray, because he has made it possible for us to bring all of our needs and concerns and anxieties before him, knowing that he will hear us and respond for our good, that is one reason we call this good news. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Let us believe it together. Father God, we do rejoice in your goodness. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have given us the gift of prayer. That you have opened a way for us to, to come before you to receive all that we need. 
Father God, I pray that you would help us to become the people of prayer that we long to be and that we need to be, that we might live for the glory of your name and the good of your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.